This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. He is proudly Alaskan and has resisted the temptation over the years to migrate elsewhere. We are talking about 29-year-old Reese Hanneman, who has in fact migrated from his hometown of Fairbanks to Anchorage, Alaska. So the question has really been, is Reese Hanneman retired? We'll get the answer in this episode and learn about his creative endeavors as the founder of the Ophira Group, a creative PR agency based in Anchorage. I mean, I guess there's a lot, probably, there's probably many stories, I guess, in within here, but um, yeah, I never announced my retirement or anything. Uh, I didn't, so, you know, I guess I had a lot of people texting me when I, you know, wasn't in West Yellowstone. Um, so, yeah, I, after last season, um, you know, I have been skiing professionally for, I would say probably, I would, I would call it eight years now. Uh, you know, racing, raced on the World Cup. Um, almost all of those years, um, that's to some degree. And so, uh, yeah, spending a lot of time in Europe racing world cup and super tour and, um, winning, you know, I won, uh, five national titles, I guess. So, um, it was awesome, but I, I had put a lot of other things, you know, on, on the extreme back burner, basically, you know, I mean, to compete at, at the world cup level and to compete at the Olympic level, um, it requires basically everything you have and all of your time and resources and energy. And, uh, it was awesome, but, uh, there's just a lot of other things I want to do, you know, skiing, uh, has been a big part of my life, but it's not my life. So, uh, yeah, this year I'm just kind of broadening my, my horizons a little bit. And, um, I'm still competing and, uh, training and, uh, yeah, but it's just a lot more flexible schedule than I have done in the past. So can you describe a little bit about how you decided to stay on for another Olympic cycle? Five years ago now, uh, 2014, you know, I had, I was kind of had an outside chance to make the, make the Olympic team for Sochi. Um, and I, you know, I podiumed, I was on the podium three out of three races at nationals. I won a national title in the skate sprint, uh, classic sprint, excuse me. And, um, you know, and the criteria were different back then. And so I thought that was, I thought, I thought that would be, I thought I was going to make the team, you know, after those performances and, and I didn't make the team. Um, and they, they didn't fill the quota that year. They had, they had, I, th- I believe they had nine and they took seven. So, uh, there were, you probably remember that. So there was, there were a number of, a, there were a couple of us who, you know, felt like we had gotten, you know, had, had basically done what we needed to do to get on the team and, and didn't make the team. So at that point I had to like, uh, decide what I, you know, what, what it meant to me. What, what was I, what, what was I doing? You know, why? And I've skied, I've skied for so long and it's been awesome. And I've, 
competed all over the world and raced a lot of World Cup. Even, you know, up to that point, I'd raced quite a few World Cups and traveled all over. And, you know, you have to just think about, like, man, what, you know, what am I doing this for? Is this making me happy? Is this making me fulfilled as a person? Does this, does it still inspire me? You know, am I, or am I just kind of chasing after something that's just empty? So I kind of, and I didn't know at that point, so I decided to take it year by year. Uh, I knew, I, I, I believed that I could still get better as a skier, that I had to reach my full potential. And so that, to me, that was a big factor in continuing was I, I was not going to be able to continue if I didn't think I could get better. So, and I knew I could get better. So I took it year by year um, and I kind of went up and down. I didn't, I had some awesome races, you know, I won a lot of super tours and uh, went to the world cup. I was, I, I, I always didn't qualify for world championships. So like every other year that was kind of tough and that would be, it would kind of set me back. And I think, man, am I just doing this to try to like, just make this team. Is that the only thing that's going to make me happy? You know, I mean, do I enjoy this anymore? And so you just kind of go through a lot of deep, you know, reflection. And I think that's all the time when you're an athlete, because it's, it's so hard and, you know, you're making no money and it's a pretty, in so many ways, it's a pretty dumb thing to do, but it's still, it still has that draw to it. And so you're doing it and you're trying to figure out, you know, why, why are you doing it? I mean, why, why are you doing it? Yeah. I took it year by year and then coming into the Korea Olympics. Uh, so like season, like 2016, you know, I was doing pretty well and I was, you know, one of the top sprinters in the country. And, and I knew that, you know, I knew that I had a chance to achieve the goal that had been up there with, you know, that I had been, that had been my moonshot goal my, my whole life since I was, you know, six years old or something. And so at that point I just said, you know, I'm going, I'm going all in. I'm I'm putting, and I had learned a lot. I mean, I was still pretty, I was, you know, 26 years old at that point. So I had, I had a lot of experience. So it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, and I was able to put it together and I trained, you know, I took, I I took all of my experience of overtraining and undertraining and training too hard and training too easy and all these complex things. And, you know, my team with the APU team and my coach, Eric, we, you know, I think we, we, I would say that was the first time that I really got it right. Like for an entire, like a whole season almost, you know? Um, so, which is, you know, and that's, that's really hard to do. I think it takes a long time to really, you can really feel like you got it right. So uh, yeah, I was just happy to be able to put it together last year and I performed, you know, really well when I needed to. And I, I proved that I belonged on that team. Um, so for me, that was kind of like, that was kind of a big factor. A big part of it was just like proving just even to myself that I belong there. I guess to answer your question, uh, yeah, it becomes part of you. It becomes who you are because of you're spending all of your waking moments. You know, I mean, my life had been dominated by ski racing and what it takes to be at that level. And, you know, your family is sacrificing your, you know, I'd, I'd gotten married in the meantime. So you know, your wife is sacrificing and you're gone all the time, all winter, you're at training camps, you're on the glacier. You know, we basically lived over FaceTime together. Um, yeah, you know, you're making no money and you're, you're getting, you know, every year you add another, you add another year to your age and you're, you're not, you know, you're not getting any closer to being able to provide for a family or, you know, um, you know, 
things like that. Things that, not that, you know, just things that life will require of you at some point. And so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, that gave me a big sense of like almost urgency, just, uh, you know, that I really, I didn't have time to mess around anymore. You know, you're not just, it's no longer living the dream. It's like, you're there to, you're there because you have pretty specific focus and, uh, yeah. But then obviously balancing that with a love of, a love of it and a love of training that hard, you know, and a love of competing and getting in the zone and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's definitely balanced. How, how much younger is your brother? He is like three and a half years younger. He's three years younger, uh, skiing wise. So, so like what kind of, um, advice do you give him at this point or do you kind of steer clear of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he, so yeah, we've, we've being brothers, you know, that are competing head to head, um, for often the same spots, like at the world cup or at the Olympics, um, competing against each other. And we're also training partners. We, you know, we've been training partners, um, with on the APU team for years now. And then obviously way, way, way beyond that, way past that back into childhood, you know, since we were tiny. So yeah, it's this weird, like competitor brother slash teammate slash best fan, you know, relationship. So, um, it's pretty complex, I guess I would say. Uh, nowadays, I mean, yeah, he's, he's killing it. I, I honestly think I always have known he has more potential than me. He is, he is a, he's a freak. I mean, he has, you know, he's the only, I mean, he has, what, 14 junior national titles, you know? I mean, that's, uh, to me, that proves kind of like where, what the potential is. So, um yeah, he's a beast. I mean, he, I think that he has the potential to be our top, our top uh, sprinter. So I, you know, and I have, I have a little. I would say I have, I have more experience, of course, and so I try to give him, <laughs> I try to give him uh, advice that I have a lot of advice, but I try to give him advice that he will listen to. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, right. I'll put it that way, uh, because you know he also likes to do things his own way, and we kind of have always had a little bit of that competitive edge kind of against each other, but I think it's going to be a lot more fun. I don't know. It's going to be a lot, not more fun, but it'll be different now that I'm not necessarily competing for those same spots against him because yeah, I try to get, I try to give him advice, you know, to, to motivate him and to, to help him enjoy it. And, to just help him save time, you know, where I wasted a year or two here or there trying to try to figure something out, you know, um, if I can take that time out of, out of, you know, he can eliminate that wasted time from his, his career or anybody else's career. You know, I, I, I like to coach and I kind of advise a number of our younger skiers, including a couple that were at, you know, junior worlds and stuff this year. And, just seeing them progress and trying to pass on the stuff that I've learned in a meaningful way, you know, like stuff that you can only learn by, you know, getting your tail handed to you at the world cup 30 times, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. What is, you know, you mentioned that you felt like last year, you know, in the run up to what we'll call it, you know, the, the nine to 10 months 
running up to Pyeongchang that you got that year right. Without kind of pouring over logs in our conversation, you know, what was it that you felt was right for you? Like what, what maybe did you do that things just clicked and, you know, there wasn't that lost month or, or whatever it was that you were able to sustain the fitness and, and qualify and ski at the Olympics? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess going into that, into that training year, into the 2017-18 season, so starting in May for that 2017, yeah, I mean, I was basically laser focused on sprint qualifying, um, and I have always been a weak qualifier. Um, I qualify low and finish very high in the heats, um, and I always improve from my qualifier to my heat finish. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I knew that I needed, you know, like basically my, my career was coming down to qualifying. And I knew, I, you know, I knew I, I knew I was fast. I mean, I know I can qualify top 10 or top five pretty much, you know, on, a, on any day. But I needed to be first, you know, and that's – so, yeah, I kind of – I mean, I, I had that in mind, and I had built up a huge bank of hours and fitness, um, you know, uh, the, the 10 years or 15 years prior to that. So more than just like numbers and workouts and stuff like that, I think I really, I really felt for the first time that I, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And I, I really, I believed in it, you know, instead of looking for other things from other people or trying to compare yourself. Um, and I think there's times for that where you want, you want to learn and you want to be a sponge and absorb things from people who are better than you. And I think that's really important when you're young, young to see all the different ways to do it, you know, and there's so many different ways to do it, but yeah. So I think over whatever eight years of skiing kind of at a relatively high level that I had, I finally kind of got to the point where I, I could make a plan and I could, craft a training regimen and, and the timing of things and that that I knew would work best for me and probably the most important thing is just believing in that you know I, I honestly my hindsight in my career is like I don't think I don't think the specifics matter nearly as much as like how you approach them and how you believe in them so my general, I, I want to write a book, but I think that I, I mean, I could probably write whole separate articles or whole separate interviews about this, but I think people get way too wrapped up in the details of training, like how many, how many minutes of recovery or how many minutes at a certain level or whatever. Um, cause I've tried all of that. I've done all of that. And I, I don't think that matters so much. Um, I think it's more like broad. It's very broad, you know, how, how high of quality you're doing and how long you can do that for. And if you enjoy it and if you believe in yourself, I think those are like maybe the four big factors. So um, I think for me that all came together last year. And of course there's a lot of specifics that do go into it and timing and all the details, but um, yeah. So that, that was, that was cool to make that happen, I guess. <laughs> How would you describe, like, if you had four words to to describe Eric Flora, who, who you've worked, I think you worked with him through, you know, the eight years that you were skiing at the pro level. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I moved, I moved here into the, to Anchorage. I moved from Fairbanks to Anchorage, uh, in 2010. And I had a really awesome coach, uh, my coach Bill in Fairbanks before that for a number of years who really lit, lit the fire and showed me what was possible. And he showed me that, that value of, of belief and just super hard training. Uh, and then when I moved here to Anchorage, I, I, yeah, joined up with Flora and, um, yeah, so he's he's uh, he's amazing. He's once in a lifetime coach. Not that I don't believe you at all. I just I'm going to flesh that out. Like, what? Yeah. What are the things that make him a once in a lifetime coach? For, at least for you, or from your perspective. Um, I mean, the most obvious I think is that he. Uh, it, it, it's kind of becoming a cliche, and you hear it in other sports, but he. There is no doubt in my mind that he outworks every other coach that I've ever, I've ever seen. I mean, he, the, it, it's borderline unhealthy. I mean, it's not even borderline unhealthy. It's probably just sure. straight up unhealthy. He, and I mean that in a loving way. And I, I would totally, I would tell that to him. And I, no, right, even right. as his athlete who appreciates the just insane amount of time and effort he puts into his athletes, each one, I was still concerned for him, you know, I was like, man, like you got to take a week off or something, you know, like go on vacation or, and, you know, he enjoys it. He enjoys coaching. He enjoys skiing and he, he works so hard and it's, um, it, he, it's crazy. It's super, it's motivating because he's out. Yeah. He's just working so hard. I have lots of, or several layers of questions. So first off, why don't you tell, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what you were doing there, when you were there and what you were doing in China. So um, every year they have a tour to ski China, um, which is put on by an organization called Nordic Ways. And I'd heard about it as friends and some teammates that had gone on this trip before to China. So, and my basic understanding beforehand was that, you know, they were trying to put on some races, kind of build the skiing culture in China. Um, and they, you know, invited international athletes to come and compete. And so this year, you know, I've gone, gone to nationals, like, I don't know how many million years straight since high school. And so, right. uh it's always during nationals. So I said, yeah, I, I'd love to go to China. And, you know, I mean, skiing, you get a lot of opportunities to travel. And, but you inevitably, if, if you ski for a while and you compete a lot, you end up traveling to the same places over and over again, uh, which is cool. But, you know, China is like the Far East, right? And I'd never been there and uh, seemed like an awesome experience. I had heard good things. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I uh, got invited to go and um, was able to go over there. It's a, they had a, they have a tour to ski that always ends with the Vasa in China, which is part of the World Lapid series. Um, and so, other than that, I really didn't know much when I when I headed over there. So, and well, how did the racing go for you? It was it was good. It went well, actually. I mean, I uh, I've been busy this summer and this fall um with things outside of skiing and so i like i've been training i've had very focused training i would say um not a lot of hours um but i try to do i try to ski well and i try to train hard and i'm trying to do intensity 
Uh, I do a lot more intensity as a percentage of my training now. So um, (laughs) I, and I was kind of just thinking about China and knowing that there'd be some good competition there and I wanted to do well. So uh, the racing went really well in China. I I would say um, I didn't know what to expect, but I was was surprised with the level of competition. I mean, there were, there were quite a few, I mean, I would say it's quite a few pretty fast guys uh, and the guys who were like, the guy who won the sprint, the Chinese guy, I mean, he was, I was extremely impressed. I'm, you know, I probably at the same speed, if a similar speed to where I was last year, you know, this guy was just lighting me up. So yeah, I, 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 there's some, there's some fast gears over there in China. It was cool to see their juniors and kind of their whole development team and, it looks like they're coming along, so it's kind of cool to see, you know, Nordic being expanded beyond just Scandinavia. Yeah, did you notice? So one of the things that's been really, and it's on my, you know, I keep like a whiteboard for stories and like, you know, a couple of digital folders, and several of them have, you know, like China themes or China threads because you know you'll get a press release here or there that yeah. You know, there's a Norwegian coach going to lead a program, or you know, Swix is dumping this much money in the Chinese skiing. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, obviously, the Olympics are coming there in three years, which seems like no time at all. And they obviously have a really uncanny way of developing, you know, sport-specific athletes very quickly. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have a lot of people to sort of select from. Um, you know, I'm just kind of like what, you know, when you sort of took a step back from the race scene there and and you were just observing, like what in your mind, like what did you think you were seeing in terms of like a nation that that still, you know, has very much, you know, like the pride of like, we need to prove ourselves to the world. Like we are not a developing country. We're a first world nation and we can develop athletes. Like, was that sort of palpable to you? Like what you were seeing? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you can see that they're, they are, they are, they're putting a big effort towards it. And I think that they, you know, I, I don't know how really internally how it works, but it looks, it looks like they have a legit national team and development program, you know, so there's, there's a, there's a, a big group of juniors, boys and girls, and there's a, a good group of what, you know, I think are senior athletes, you'd call senior athletes, men and women. Um, and they have, you know, they've hired good coaches. Some of these guys I know uh, from Norway or in Estonia, and they are, a lot of them train in, in Trondheim. Uh, and they are modeling their training after what they see working for other countries, you know. So basically, they're they're kind of like taking the Norwegian model and they are doing that. And um, I have no idea, like, how many kids they have to pull from. For example, like if there right. if there's a lot of kids skiing. I mean, I was I was in, I was surprised how many kids there were skiing at like the Vasalopet. Um, cause they have a kid's race mm-hmm. and it's a, they have a, you know, a citizen's race and you know, there were 800 people there. Right. So wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. You know, you see like, I don't know, a couple, at least a couple hundred Chinese kids out skiing, which is, you know, and they look like they, they know what they're doing. They're all wearing race suits and 
racing skis and you can tell they've skied before. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of sweet. I mean, it's just probably as big as, well, I don't know, you know, it looks like, it looks like JOs or something, but, um, Right. That's so, imbra- yeah, right. Exactly. So I guess what you're saying is like, it, it looks like the real deal. Like it's yeah. club skiing for kids. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so and I, um, and I talked to some people, I don't think they have, they don't have a lot of clubs. Like they don't have, they don't have, um, it's not very, it's not very popular, you know? So they have a few places where there are coaches that coach juniors. And I'm not sure the dynamic between school and, government and all that stuff. And it sounds, you know, it, it's definitely different than what we're used to. Um, I know that the good kids, like the good skiers are kind of, uh, like very heavily encouraged to be a ski racer. Um, I don't really know how that works, but, uh, sure. I think, I think China has their own methods of of saying, hey, like this, you're going to do this, and so um, I think that's right, how some of them right. end up there. You no. Know? Um, okay, so t- tell me a little bit about the photography and the videography. So I had always wondered. I'm like, I think is it Ophira Group or how do you pronounce? Yeah, that? I, Ophira. But yeah, yeah, Ophira. Okay, so that's is that you? Are you sort of the the lead behind that? Um, yeah. So I. I guess, um, yeah, so I, I, I have, I got into photography and kind of graphic design and video stuff and I've been doing that for a long time and, um, started doing it for different businesses and companies and kind of was doing it just here and there freelancing stuff. Uh, and then a couple years ago, I mean, I just was getting more and more requests for my work and, uh, my this is like right right after I got married. Um, my wife Jessica was like, "Dude, why don't you just do this? You know, for real." So I founded. Yeah, I founded. It's a marketing agency. It's called Afira. Um, founded that like three years ago now. Um, and so it was a way for me to kind of, you know, develop myself professionally and learn some new things and make some connections. Well, like while I was skiing, so I was able to to work. You know, I was working quite a bit, um, while I was training and traveling, um, flexible. So yeah, it's turned into a pretty, uh, good size little market agency. We do a lot of, we do a lot of web stuff, search engine optimization. We do marketing, we do ad buying. We do a lot of social media management. Um, photography is a, a part of what we do, um, video production. So it's been cool cause, uh, I get to work with, companies in the ski industry obviously i i know almost everybody in the ski industry and um being able to kind of combine all of that especially then with um my experience with ski racing so i can you know i have a lot of people that love how i'm able to combine you know artistic photography and videography and telling that story um in a way that sounds you know that that sounds like you understand kind of what it takes um, and not from like an outside perspective, but almost from an inside perspective kind of. So whether that's through, through photo photos or videos or other things like that. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool and it's growing. So I'm kind of trying to figure out. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty much, I mean, it's basically a full-time job now. So I know, I think you guys produced 
um, that piece on Sadie for Fisher. Is that right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, stuff so like we, that we is, worked, is, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Worked with Fisher and, uh, worked with press forward, um, which is Andrew Gardner and his team, uh, over there and they're in Vermont and they do a lot of the PR and they're, they're kind of, they're, they've been really awesome to work with and they do a lot of really good work. So yeah, I worked with, we worked with them on that project. So yeah, that was a really cool one. Got to go up and film, film Sadie and, you know, kind of tell her story. Um, cause there's so many layers to it. You know, if you just look at, look at the surface, uh, you don't, you don't always get all that. So, um, so is that sort of your path moving forward, you know, as you, you know, whatever skiing looks like for you, you know, whether or not you taper that piece of your life or not, um, like moving forward is, is this marketing agency kind of, or your marketing business kind of your, what you'll throw your energy into in the next year or two or three. <laughs> Yeah, so at the moment I'm at, I'm doing that, and uh, that's yeah, t- a lot, taking a lot of time, and it, there's a lot of growth opportunities, and it's it's really really exciting. Um, at the moment, I'm also taking 18 credits of uh, engineering classes. I'm fi- finishing my mechanical engineering degree that I put on hold to go after the Olympics. Um, so I have I have this I have one more semester after this one until I finish that. So yeah, I'm like full time and a half in engineering school as well. And then I also founded another company this spring. Uh, that's kind of a tech, it's a web based, it's like a tech startup. Uh, it's a web platform for global adventure travel. So I'm working on that as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so you're busy dude. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty, pretty busy right now. (laughs) yeah so all right well at least i mean it's interesting yeah now that i recall you had texted once you're like oh yeah i got i'm I'm in class and i was like oh okay yeah he must still be in school um and mechanical engineering is not exactly like light academics so that's got to be time consuming as well yeah it's pretty i have to i mean i'm basically like i work in some either whether it's school or real work i'm working like probably you know i don't know 12 to 14 hour days probably every day and i have to keep moving and that's all i that's all i'm doing right now is um school is definitely full time yeah and so i i I was doing school part time while i was racing um and i got to the point where i was just like you know what if i if i'm going to if I'm going to give this 100% and I'm going to get to the level that I know I can get to, um, I won't, I won't be able to do like continue taking classes right now. So I just, I put it on pause. So I'm coming back to that kind of with a vengeance. I'm like trying to get it done. (laughs) Everybody's everybody's advising me not to take so many classes. And I'm like, if it's, if I can possibly do it, I'm going to do it. So, um, Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Knock it out. Um, okay. Anything, uh, anything that you want to add or anything I, I was like absent-minded about and didn't ask? I guess, I mean, I feel like I don't, I feel like I could go off on like meaningless, you know, like a serial tangents for a while, whether it's 
ski the ski culture or results or how we need to get better or all these things but um no not really i mean i love i guess uh it the ski the ski community in the u.s has been so awesome and you know is it, it is so awesome and uh it's really fun to um i guess i will say one one little short story was just last year at uh at the olympics in pyeongchang um probably one of the coolest experiences of my life was being there right at the finish, you know, when the girls won their gold medal. Um, and it was, I tell this story to some people when they ask me how the Olympics was because, uh, you know, we were all there, the whole Nordic, the whole cross country team was there. We knew this was kind of the big, big hurrah, like the big chance. And they were skiing so well in the semi and, so we were all there, and when they cro- when Jesse crossed, you know, and she, and she had just they just won that gold medal, you know, we were everybody was crying and like laughing and hugging each other, and and I st- I actually started crying, and it was really weird because you know it was like something in a movie, but I started crying, and if if you had asked me before the Olympics, like. Hey, you know, like what? What will the coolest part be? You know, you think you you will you ever will you ever cry? You know, I would say uh, no. Like I, I mean, I don't. It's it's rare that something moves me so much that I actually to tears. You know, that I'm crying. And so we were there, and it was just like I started I started crying. Like I, it was totally involuntary, and every people were crying and hugging each other and dogpiling on each other, and um, it was weird because it was this sense of like you know, they, they had done it and, but it was like, we had done it. You know, everybody was like, you just felt like there was this bond, you know, because how many times have I gone to U.S. ski team training camps and skied with the guys and skied with the girls, you know, we're pushing through like mm-hmm. the fourth hour of an OD of some crazy Canyon and everyone's bonking and I'm skiing with Keegan and it's just like, you know, I try to, I mimic her technique and then maybe she mimics my technique or whatever. And, years this goes on for years and years and years you know and with all these different athletes and coaches and we're all there and it's like I don't know it was it was that was it was pretty surreal actually just to feel like obviously they both skied out of their minds and they're the ones who skied that course you know but it was this it was kind of this like collective feeling in a a way that everybody I think everybody was just like proud that they had played even a tiny part in it um so that was really cool, and I think that that feeling, you know, has, that feeling really kind of made me realize the importance of, you know, sharing that knowledge and experience, you know, the the, the little bit mm-hmm. that I've gotten, you know, with other people and the younger, the younger athletes, because I think that's how we move forward, you know, is so they don't have to do all that, learn all that stuff themselves, and they can learn it from us, hopefully. Sure. What's one thing, one thing that you have out in your home from the Olympics? I'm just curious. You know, a lot, you hear a lot of people, it's like, oh yeah, I went to the Olympics, whatever. And that stuff's in a box somewhere. Is there something that you have out that's special to you or Um, anything? My wife keeps, Jessica keeps saying that she's going to make a little display for my bib, my race bib. Um, 
which I think would be cool. Right now, I just have I have my little home office set up, which is where I'm working, and I I uh, I stole a sign off the wall in from our condo that we were living in in the Athlete Village, and it's just it's the the United States Olympic team crest, and it's the circle with the rings and the flag, and I have that right above my desk, and I still haven't made it look really sweet. I, I had plans for it, but I haven't yet. But uh, yeah, so I mean, anytime I'm like sitting here grinding out some huge long projects or like editing video for seven hours straight. And I'm just like sick of it. You know, I kind of like look up and I think, you know, I mean the amount of time and energy that I put into, into that, you know, achieving that goal and the amount of time that it takes to, to get to that level, you know, and I think in today's, I don't know, society, we think it's going to be so fast and if it doesn't come right away, then it's, not worth it but um to me that's just a reminder of like <laughs> that's what like 20 years of beating your sure. head against the wall can sure. do well thanks for your time i do appreciate it and i'm glad we connected i knew it took a while um yeah. so thank you and uh let yeah. us know if you end up officially retiring okay well i'm gonna yeah <laughs> hold off <laughs> but yeah just, uh, I'm, I'm saying it's like, well, it is. I mean, I'm just doing different stuff. And that's the cool part is I might go try to do some marathons. Um, like I did, you know, being able to do China and maybe do some marathons, just things like that that you just can't do when you're on the strict, you know, you're chasing, chasing points. So um, I feel it's really freeing to, to not, to literally not care about points anymore. And there's still so many races and high level things that you can do um, outside of just like that strict little circuit, whether it's the world cup or the super tour. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about just some new racing opportunities. Well, thanks. And, um, appreciate your time. Have a good night. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening.